the Bible describes the enemy's posture towards us as prowling, that he is seeking to ruin us. And so we thought, what better way than to address this and equip ourselves is to go through a series that we're calling It's a Trap. And there's this whole time in Scripture where the enemy comes and tempts Jesus. And I think a lot of times we feel that we've already failed, or we've already failed if we've been tempted, but Jesus himself was tempted. And we're going to look at the ways that the enemy came towards Jesus and attacked Jesus in the moment of weakness so that we can be equipped in our moments of weakness as well and recognize what the traps are. And so starting off this series tonight, we have the unbelievable pleasure of hearing from Eastman Curtis. All right. Man, I'm excited to be here with you guys. Last time I did something, I think we were at Epworth by the sea, and it got crazy. And uh, I, I was telling my girlfriend about this. I go, you know, these guys are so rowdy. You would love them. Yeah, would I? You will love them. So she's met some of you, but she's here tonight. This is her first time she's ever been in a united service. So, ladies and gentlemen, will you put your hands together and will you welcome Brenda in the house? Stand up, Brenda. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Now, <laughs> I didn't mean to embarrass you real bad, just a little bit, but I, I got to tell you this. Um, I, a while back, it's been a year ago, actually, this month, a year ago, I got admitted to the hospital. I had pneumonia, which, you know, you get pneumonia and they give you antibiotics, you got over the pneumonia, but it didn't go away. It just, it kept hanging with me and I kept having a fever and all this stuff. So I finally went to the doctor and she made me, she goes, you have to go, promise me you'll go to the doctor tomorrow. So I did. I went to the doctor and uh, he checked me out, and he, he, comes, he comes in my room, and his face is all white. He goes, Eastman, your blood test cannot be right. We're going to have to take blood from another source. So I'm like, what does that mean, another source? Yeah, the other arm. Oh, okay. So he pulled blood out of my other arm, and, and uh, you know, he checked out. He comes back in. He goes, I've never seen anything quite like this. And he said, your hemoglobin is really low. It's like a 4.2, and it's supposed to be like an 11 or something like that. And, he, and uh, found out later there's been doctors that have s- said they've never seen anyone alive with a 4.2 hemoglobin. That's your red blood count. So apparently I was in bad shape. And uh, so I got admitted to the hospital, and I had fluid in my lungs, and it was all coagulated, and they were just going to drain it. They said, we're just going to do a little incision, and we're going to drain it all out. So they did the little incision, but nothing would come out because it was like sludge in there. It just it wouldn't move. It was just blocked. And they came back to me. And they said, we're sorry. We're going to have to uh, cut out a third of your lung. And the good news is your left lung has two chambers. Your right lung has three chambers. So they took one of the chambers out of my right lung. So now I'm balanced. See, if they would have taken one out of my left lung, I probably would have been walking in circles my whole life. But they took it out of my right lung, so now, now I'm balanced. And so I'm in there, and I'm in the hospital for three weeks, okay? Three weeks I'm in the hospital. This is in Ocala, Florida. And uh, Brenda talked to her boss. She got her computer, and she drove to Ocala, and she stayed. We just had started dating. We just had met, and we just started dating. She stayed with me in the hospital three weeks, night and day. Now, I got it. My mom did the same thing. My mom goes, who is that girl? She is amazing. Eastman, hang on to her. That's what she said. And my little girl met, met Brenda, and my little girl goes up. She, she sits in my lap. She goes, Daddy, I got to tell you something. 
She's 21 years old, calls me daddy. Daddy, got to tell you this. I go, what? She goes, Brenda? She go, I go, yeah? She goes, I really like her is what she said. I go, well, that's great. I really like her too. And you go, she goes like this. She goes, dad, do not screw this up. <laughs> so whenever I get tempted, I see my little girl saying, dad, don't screw this up. Don't do it. I'm so glad that Brenda is here today. And we do want to talk about something that I think is going to be revolutionary. It's going to help us, I think, to be more victorious, walk out the life and the abundance that Christ has already purchased for us. And all we have to do is walk it out. So did anybody bring a Bible tonight? Just wondering. Any, any, somebody brought a Bible? Okay. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to do something radical. Okay. Now, a lot of people don't do this, but I'm going to ask you to do it. Tonight, I'm going to ask you to open your Bible. Now, I don't know about you, but how do you believe the Word of God, what it says in there? Right? Heaven and earth will pass away. God's Word will endure forever. That's what the Bible tells us. But now listen to this. I believe it's okay to get excited when the, the guy talking says, open your Bible. How do you believe it's okay to go, woo-woo, get excited and shout a little bit? Okay, so let's try this right. Let's do it right, okay? Tonight, if you have your Bible, I want you to open your Bible. Doesn't that feel better? I feel better already. All right. I want you to look with me. We're going to read in the book of Matthew, chapter 4. We're going to look at the the temptations that Jesus records, or Matthew records of Jesus, being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. I'm going to come over here next to the light so I can read. (laughs) All right. Matthew chapter 4. Oh, yeah. Got a mic stand. How about this sexy mic stand holder right here, huh? Oh, yeah. Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Here we go. NIV. Then Jesus, led by the Spirit, went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Somebody shout hungry. The tempter came to him and he said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it's written, you, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Then Jesus answered, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him up on a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. Now, in this, we see that Jesus was tempted with several different things here. We're going to look at the first one tonight. Uh, But I want you to know, a lot of times in our life, the devil magnifies himself. It says in Lamentations 1.9, I think the King James Version words it like this. The enemy has magnified himself. Now, the word magnify, have you ever got like a magnifying glass when you were a kid and looked at ants or anything like that? Get them in the sun and burn them until they pop. 
Has anybody else ever burned an ant? This is a good time to confess. I think you're one of the only chicks, all the other guys are guys that have done that. <laughs> so yeah, you know, you look, at those, you look at those ants underneath in a magnifying glass, and I'm telling you, it looks, they look wicked. I mean, they got the tentacles, they got the little chompers out there, you know, their feet. They just, they look bad. They look really mean. They're magnified. Now, this is what the Bible says what the enemy does. Listen to this. He magnifies himself. He tries to puff himself up to appear bigger than he really is. And the enemy, he's a master at that. Hold on. My alarm's going off, and I just had it set to the wrong time for prayer. This is what it was. Okay. So so Jesus has this happened, and, and so the enemy magnifies himself. He's puffing himself up, and he always tries to do that to get you to deceive you. But the Bible tells us this in the book of Isaiah, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment will be condemned. I want to show you this little guy. It's my favorite trap overcoming mouse. You're going to see a little, a little, little video of this guy. I saw it on YouTube. I cracked up. I thought, this is great. Now, it looks like it gets sad in the middle. I had a lump get in my throat when I was watching it. But, hey, good news. It's a happy ending, okay? So watch this little video clip. Check this out. Is that awesome or what? That is a mouse that is an overcomer right there. You know, and that's what, when we go through tasks, when the enemy magnifies himself and makes himself appear bigger than he really is, let me tell you this, and if you'll hold steady, if you just hold steady on this, God's going to turn your test into a testimony. And that's what he always does. Now, when we look at this, there's something really exciting here. Let's look at the, the temptation we're going to talk about tonight, and that's the first one. Uh, the Bible says that the devil came to him, And he said to him, if you are the son of God. So what is he doing? The enemy's coming in as he's injecting doubt. He said, if you really are the son of God, if you really are saved, if you really are a child of God, if you, and he always tries to inject doubt into your mind. But I want you to see something. I want you to see how Jesus overcomes this doubt. It's really, it really is amazing. Jesus cries out and he says this. He says, for it is written. He does something so powerful. Jesus replaces the enemy's thoughts with God's thoughts. He takes the sword of the spirit and he utilizes it. And you know what I found out? This, this, I wish somebody would have told me this when I was a teenager, but I had to wait till I was in my twenties and thirties before I really realized this. You don't have to be controlled by your thought life. You have the power to control your thought life. Have you ever just been sitting there minding your own business and all of a sudden a thought of depression just pops in your head? Oh, no, I don't want to think that. Oh, not that. And just let it run its course. No, you can stop it. Stop. No, I'm, resi- I'm not going to think that. I'm resisting this, okay? And that's, that's what God wants us to do. And Jesus, literally, he turned the enemy's thoughts and he changed it. He replaced it with God's thoughts because the enemy always tries to puff himself up to appear bigger than he really is to get you to start living on the defensive and not really entering into the victory that God has for you for the rest of your life. Now, now check this out. I used to work at my dad's tourist attraction when I was a kid. I used to train birds, those big macaws. Have you ever seen those 
parrots, those big macaws that like ride a bicycle across a high wire, pump water, put coins in a bank, you know, and all. It was, it was a bird show. My dad had a tourist training, so I, I trained the bird show. He sent me to Bush Gardens, learned how to train birds. He got a bunch of wild birds from uh, South America and Central America. He brought them in. I had to get these birds right from the wild, and dad paid me to, I just didn't know better, train these birds to do a bird show, so I did. And there was one bird that I didn't have him trained. He had me trained. His name was Bo. And I'd always start the show off with Bo. Now, Bo, would, he would never, ever, ever bite me when I was with, you know, by myself. But when I'd be with people, he'd always bite on me. Because, see, the bird knew I would never, like, if he'd bite me and it's just me and him, I'd just pop him in the head. Bah, don't do that. Don't, don't bite me. But when I was with people, it's sort of hard when you're doing a bird show. The bird bites you. If you just haul off, pop him in the head. People are like, oh, he hit the little bird. Now, you're standing there with little fingers, just nubs left for fingers. But, you know, everybody's feeling sorry for the bird. So I could never hit the bird in front of people. And so Bo would always bite me when I'd start the bird show. And I'd come out there and say, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Masterpiece Gardens, Antioch Exotica Bird Show. My name's Eastman. All my cast members are called Macaws. They're from Central and South America. So I did the whole bird show, right? And I'm starting the bird show, and I always had to start it with Bo because Bo would raise the flag to the top of the flagpole. So I'm doing this, and Bo would he'd bite me. Every time we'd, we'd, and I, man, my hands are always bloody, and just it hurt, and I, I hated it. And I remember, here I am, I'm like 18 years old, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't even want to do the bird show. I'm tired of getting bit by this bird. I never want to do the bird show again. And then I thought, what are you doing? Stop it. That's just a little pile of feathers. It's just a little bird. And you're intimidated by a bird. What are you doing? Snap out of it. So I thought, Yeah. I'm not going to let this bird rule my life anymore. I'm going to be in control of this bird. So all of a sudden, Clark Kent turned into Superman. I just had this bold aggressiveness, like, I'm not going to be intimidated by a little bird anymore. So I just, this boldness came on me. I thought, I'm doing the bird show, and I'm going to do it right. So I grabbed Bo. I took him off the perch, and I start the bird show. Good afternoon, and I'm just starting the bird show, and I'm walking around, and Bo's, you know, he's hanging onto my arm, and I'm swinging him back and forth, and uh about halfway through the beginning of the show, when I was starting it, Bo starts this little thing where he just springs up and he just starts rocking back and forth like this. Now, nobody knows what that means but me. That means in just a second, I'm about to stretch up and I'm about to chow down on your finger. Well, when I was moving around like this, Bo, the bird, got to the end of my, my hand. And so I'm moving around and Bo starts that rocking and all of a sudden he does that little push right before he comes down on my finger and he's coming down on my finger, and I just, I know it's coming, and I'm freaking out, thinking, I don't want to go through this again. And so as he's coming down on my finger, I just squeezed real tight like that, and his toes are between my forefinger and my thumb. So when I squeezed, both like, whoa, whoa, he jumped <laughs> like that. And I thought, I've got this bird where I want him. I am squeezing the snot out of his toe. And I'm, but I'm not giving any expression on my face. I'm just squeezing as hard as I can. I'm just like, like this, but I'm looking at, I go, Bo, what's wrong? He's, he's flapping and squawking. What's wrong? Something's wrong with Bo. He doesn't feel good. Bo, what's wrong? So I'm going through the bird show and he's freaking out. So I thought, you know what? I better turn loose of his toes because I don't want his toes to fall off. That would not look good. My dad would be upset. I'd be, wouldn't be good. So I turned loose of his toes and he flew behind the counter, you know, behind where the people were. And so I said, excuse me, folks, I got to get the bird. So I went down behind the counter to get Bo. And he's sitting there, he's looking up at me like, what are you going to do? 
And I looked down at him. Now, you got to remember, this has gone on for three years. Everybody say three years. Three years I have been intimidated by a bird. And I just said enough. So now I got Bo behind the, the little counter. Nobody can see him, just me and Bo. And I get down beside him. I go, Bo, you ready for this? And he gets up on my arm. I go, just pop him in the beak. And I stand up with him. And Bo's like doing this little, this little thing where he's rocking back and forth. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something. From that day forward, I never had any more trouble with Bo the bird. Every time Bo would start that rocking, I'd squeeze his toes. It would remind him of that day when I popped him in the beak. And so what he... Does anybody know how to turn these off? (laughs) Can I give this to you, Brenda? She's good at this stuff. Thank you. Um, So what happens, what happens is this. With the enemy, a lot of times the enemy comes to us and he tells us how big he is, how bad he is, and how he's going to destroy us and injecting doubt and fear into our mind, holding us captive. But if you'll just remind him what Jesus did, that he made a show of him openly. Jesus triumphed over the enemy through the cross of Calvary. And he's forgiven us of all of our sins. And we stand before God as clean as Adam and Eve were in the garden before they ever sinned because of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen, would you? Would you touch somebody say, he's preaching good tonight. Tell somebody that. So you don't need to be intimidated by the devil. If the truth be known, in all honesty, the enemy is totally... He's intimidated by you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment will be condemned. That's the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Jesus overcame that with the word of God. That's what he did. He just pulled out the word and he began to use it. Now, um, when we take control of our thought life, because we can, the Bible says, "What finally, brethren, whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, Think on these things. Everybody say think. See, we control our thought life. Think on the things that are a good report. If it's not a good report, don't dwell on it. If it's not the truth, if it's not pure, if it's not, if it's not uh, right, don't think about it. You don't have to think about it. You can control your thought life. If you replace the enemy's thoughts with God's thoughts, you'll see some amazing, amazing things happen. There's a guy uh, by the name of Louis XVI. Okay, he had a son. And he was from France, and he was a king. And Louis XVI got taken and put into a dungeon. He got captured. They put him in a dungeon, and they're trying to destroy his lineage. So this guy, I think we got a picture of him. That's him right there. He's just one bad-looking man jamba, isn't he? Just one dude. And, you know, that's the king's son right there. And they take this guy, and this is when he was older, but this was back when he was about 17 years old. They said, if we can demoralize King Louis XVI's son, if we can get him to, you know, not see himself the way that he really is, that he's in lintage in line for the kingship, it'll just destroy him. He'll never enter into the destiny that he really has. So what they did was they did some crazy stuff. They, they tried to, they put some of the, the richest foods. They wanted him to make him a slave to his appetite. So they brought him some of the most delicate foods. They, they, they uh, brought people into him. They brought lustful women into his path. They brought people that would lie and people that would, uh, you know, dis, cause disunity and disharmony in his life. And he stayed around 24-7, and they were trying to get this guy to mess up. 
One month goes by. He just stays with it. Never, never did slip, never did fall. Two months go by. Six months go by. And they finally brought King Louis' son in. They said, man, I, I don't understand this. You know, we, we give you the best stuff here, but you haven't even, you haven't taken any of this. What, what's wrong with you? And I want you to listen to what King Louis' son said. He said, these things you're asking me to do with these women, these things you're asking me to do with the food, these things you're, you're asking me to do with to cuss. And to, do he goes, I can't do that because I am, I was born to be a king. And I thought, what a great, that's the way he saw himself. He saw himself as born to be a king, and that held him steady. Listen, if we will see ourselves the way that God sees us, you know what it's going to do? It's going to hold us steady. So understand this. God has his hand on you. You are a gift from God. And he's got big plans for you. Somebody shout big plans. He wants you not just to go through the motions of life. God wants you to obtain dreams and goals. He wants you to make a difference with your life. That's why he's raised you up for such a time as this. Out of all the days in history that God chose for you to be alive, I mean, just think about it. This is the time that he chose for you to be alive. You're going to make a huge impact in this world. Now, there's some great scriptures here. In fact, we sung about this this morning. In the book of 2 Corinthians, I want to read one scripture to you real quick. I'm going to go through a couple things, and we're going to wrap it up. But listen to this. In the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, I love the way the NIV says it. It says right here, I think it's, it's in verse 20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so that through Him, the amen might be spoken by us. Now catch this. All the promises in this book... Promises of peace, promises of joy, promises of success, promises of, of uh, a future, promises of healing and health, promises of, of joy unspeakable. Uh, all the promises in this book are yes. Uh, how, what, what are these promises in here? The, how about a promise of prosperity? What is that? That's a yes. God says yes to this. He says all these promises are yes so that the amen might be spoken by us. Now, the word amen is not just something you throw at the end of the prayer. You know, like, okay, here we go. Amen. All right, we're done. The word amen, you know what it literally means? It means so be it. That's what it means. So when you're saying yes to that promise of peace, yes to that promise of prosperity, yes to that promise of making a difference, you know what you're doing? You're, it's amen. Yes, that's right. That's my promise. I'm taking that promise. It's not just some flippant thing that was said. This is the word of God. It is mine. Jesus bought and paid for it so that I might experience this. So what's going to happen is I'm pressing into this promise. You know, you've got promises of, of prosperity. The Bible says you're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. You've got a promise that you are anointed. Well, I woke up this morning. I didn't feel a goosebump. I didn't feel signs and wonders shooting out of both my nostrils. I, I didn't feel much of anything except like hitting the snooze alarm. But that's okay. It's not a feeling. You are anointed. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, 27, as for you, the anointing that you receive from him, it abides in you. It lives on the inside of you, okay? The Bible says we have a promise of being forgiven, you know, when you confess your sin, the Bible says before God, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So 
we've got promises of forgiveness. But you know what? There's a lot of people that have asked for forgiveness, but they've never really reached out and just received forgiveness. And God wants us to receive that. He wants us to receive him, receive everything that he has for us. And the way we do that is by faith, just reaching up and grabbing a hold of that. Say, God, you've done that for me. That's mine. I'm so thankful. It's my amen. So be it to that promise of peace. So be it to that promise of forgiveness. So be it to that promise of victory over sin. That's promise. It belongs to me. I want to close with this. When I was a kid, I was six years old. My dad had a watch, and I think I got a picture of it here somewhere around here. There's a picture of it. That's my watch. And uh, my dad, it had been my great-grandfather's, it had been my grandfather's, and it was my dad. Guys, I'm six years old, and I'm next in line to get this watch. Man, I'm so excited. Six years old, and my dad kept it on the top of his dresser so I couldn't reach it. He had it up high. But how do you know, when you're six years old, there's nothing impossible. When it comes to climbing, I learned you can pull the drawers out and climb up pull out another drawer, climb up that, pull out another drawer, keep climbing up to get to the top. So I got to the top of the dresser. I saw that watch that my dad had promised it was mine. It was just sitting there waiting for me in that little box. I popped the box open. Man, I'm looking at that thing. I took the watch out. I brought it down. And you know when you're six years old, you, know, you want to know how things work. And this watch has so many little mechanical springs and all this stuff. And you unscrew the back and you can watch it all work. I was like, oh, this is amazing. So I unscrewed one of the things. One of the springs came out. I thought, well, let me try another. I took that one out. I took the whole watch apart. Man, I was excited. I'm looking at this and all of a sudden I heard my dad pull up outside. Heard his car pull up. And he pulled up. I heard the door slam. I was like, oh, man, dad's home. And I stood up, and I just backed up. And when I backed up, I stepped on the watch, broke the crystal, smashed all the stuff on it. And I was like, oh, no. So I just scooped it up, and it's all in little pieces. I scoop it up. I put it back in the box, shut it. And I, I saw my dad. Hey, dad, how's it going? Do, doing good. You have a good day at work? Yeah, yeah, six years old, you know. And uh, finally, we had dinner, and my dad's watching the news. And I was just, you know how you're eating up with guilt? I was, felt so guilty. I go, Dad, I got to tell you something. I, 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 did, I did a bad thing. He goes, well, what? What did you do? And normally, Mom would tell all the bad things that I had done before he even got in. But this time, I was, I was coughing it up. I go, I, I, that watch that you're going to give me? Yeah. I go, well, I was looking at it. Yeah. I took it apart, and I broke it. He goes, oh, son, for real? He goes, where's it at? So I go in the room. I pick up all the little pieces that are all broken and everything. I just walk it, and I just sort of hold it, and I, I show it to him like that. He goes, oh, son, that's a shame. Well, I guess you, we'll have to get you a different kind of watch than that. Go ahead and throw that one away. And I'm like, throw it away? Dad, but that's the watch you're going to give me. He goes, it's not good for anything right now. Just go ahead and throw it away. And I'm like, throw it away? So I walk to the trash can. And I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, I, I, I don't want to let it go. Man, I messed this up. I, I don't let it go. I hear him in the, in the living room. Throw it away in the trash. I'm like, okay. So I dropped it in the trash. I walk back and I'm crying. I'm thinking, I messed up. And I, I Dad, I'm so sorry. He goes, son, it's okay. Forget it. Well, you'll get another watch. And so a little time went by and I ran back to the trash can. I'm hanging in the trash can looking at it. I scoop up the pieces again, and I walk back to Dad. I go, Dad, really, I am so sorry I did this. I should not have done it. He goes, Son, take that watch, 
put it in the trash can. Leave it in the trash. So I go back. I drop it in the trash can. I'm just hanging there. He goes, get away from the trash can. And all I was doing was just hanging out with the trash can. And I thought, that's right. I need to get away from the trash can. Well, the next year, my dad didn't get me a Rolex. He got me a Timex. It worked for me. But, you know, my dad had forgiven me. But I did not receive that forgiven forgiveness till the third time that I, I, I kept trying to bring the watch back. And I kept asking for forgiveness, wanting forgiveness. And my dad had already forgiven me, but I kept asking him for it. And I think, how many times do we do that with the Lord? You know, God, I, I know I screwed up over here. I really messed this up. Would you forgive me? Okay. You, remember that thing I did that I just asked you for forgiveness? I'm asking it for you again. And God said, I've already forgotten it. But, and we're hanging around the trash can. I got a word for us tonight. Get away from the trash can. If you've blown it, if you've messed up, if you've totally goofed some stuff up, let me tell you, get forgiven, turn loose of it, and get away from the trash can. Get out of the guilt and the condemnation. Can I get an amen? God wants us to be free. He wants us to see ourselves the way that he sees us. He wants us to see ourselves anointed. He wants us to see ourselves full of life and joy and peace. He wants us to know that, hey, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything we need, he's already provided for. And all we have to do is reach up and receive that. It's just that simple. We make it so hard, but God's made it so simple. This is my favorite part right here. I love this. I want to do this. I, this is a little bit different, I guess, in the way that we, we do it sometimes. Sometimes we do it like this. But I want every head up, every eye open, and everybody looking around, okay, just for a moment. If you're sitting in here and you've got your glasses on, clean your glasses off for just a second because I want to see who means business with God tonight. Tonight, if you're sitting in here and you say, Eastern, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I've ever really stepped over that line and made Jesus the Lord of my life. I don't know that I've ever really made him the boss of my dreams, of my goals, of my life. You may have even asked God for forgiveness sometimes, but you've never really reached up and received that forgiveness. You may have asked God to be a child of God, but you've never really by faith just said, I am a child of God. Tonight, something so powerful is going to happen. I'm going to count to three, and while you're, everybody's sitting in here, and if you've never really stepped over that line and made Jesus Jesus, the Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you to do this. While every head is up and every eye is open, when I count to three, while everybody's watching, I'm going to ask you to take your hand and to shoot it straight up in the air. So I said, why do you do that in front of people? Just have us bow our heads, close our eyes, just stick a finger up, pull it back down. No one has to know. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you're not ashamed of me, I won't be ashamed of you. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you've never really, never really stepped over that line, you've never really made Jesus Lord of your life, you've never received what God has for you, tonight is your night. When I count to three, while every head is up and every eye is open, everybody's looking. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up high, not half mass. I mean all the way up. Now, don't wait for me to count to three and a half because I'm not. Don't think, okay, well, if he lifts his hand, because we know he needs to lift his hand, then I'll lift my hand. If she lifts her hand, I'll lift my hand. No, this is between you and God. We're going to see who means business with God. Do you know right now the devil is snorting mad? He's, he's freaking out right now because there's nothing he can do to stop you. Once you've made that decision to step over that line, that's what's happening tonight. Every head up, 
Every eye open. I want you looking around. Tonight, I'm about to count to three. When I do, if, if you're that person, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up and hold it up. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen in just a second. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are going to rejoice. Jesus is going to confess your name before the Father. He's going to say, Dad, see that guy? He's got his hand up. That's my boy. See that girl? She's not ashamed of me. I'm not ashamed of her. He's going to confess your name to all the angels in heaven. On three, get your hand ready. Every hand. I'm so excited. I don't really stand it. On three, hold your hand up high. Here we go. Watching. This is it. Hold it up. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up. Hold it up high. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Look at this. Unashamed. You're unashamed. (laughs) I just got happy. Everybody stand for just a second. You know, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. You guys that lifted your hand, I want you to pray this out loud. Everybody pray this with me so nobody gets embarrassed. You're just receiving. You're receiving what Jesus has done for you. Pray this with me out loud. Everybody pray. Heavenly Father, pray it out loud. Heavenly Father, please forgive me. Cleanse me from all sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe he was raised from the dead. And I confess Jesus as my Lord. I am a child of God. I am forgiven. I am going to heaven because of Jesus. Now give God a shout of praise. Would you do it right now? Go ahead. Amen. You know, this stuff is real. Now, what I want to do right now is, let's do this. If you're here, maybe there's an area of doubt that you've been struggling with. Maybe there's areas of forgiveness you just need. Or maybe there's something that that you've really been struggling with being blessed or struggling with having peace in your mind or joy in your life. But the enemy has injected doubt. Would you do this for just a moment? We're just going to take a moment. And I want you just to kneel down, uh, either at where you're sitting or in fact we have the altars up here if you want to come up here Neil and pray but I want you just to do something right now I want you to release your faith with me and receive all that Christ has blasting through all the doubt blasting through all the insecurities and all the fear and tonight you're receiving the best that God has for you 